Here's the issue with being addicted to pleasure. Here's the issue with being addicted to pleasure. So a lot of times in life, we are told that, hey, Teresa, a lot of times in life, we are told, you know, that life is all about living, that life is all about, you know, doing the things that you enjoy. Life is all about doing the things that you love. However, a lot of us don't realize realize that part of the reason we can't get to where we want to be in our health in our professions and our relationships is because we're addicted to pleasure and it's your addiction to pleasure that is hindering your ability to get where you want to be now it may sound counterintuitive it may sound like listen life is all about doing what makes you happy life is all about doing what fulfills you but I'm going to ask you one key question that helps you determine whether or not you're addicted to pleasure. And let me tell you why being addicted to pleasure can halt your ability to thrive in life. It can literally literally impede on your ability to become the best optimal version of yourself, okay? Because when we're addicted to pleasure, what we're typically addicted to is a neurotransmitter. We're typically addicted to a chemical. A chemical that's released when we engage in that pleasure-seeking behavior. And it's literally our inability to find a balance between that pleasure-seeking um, behavior and away from it that is, is our inability to find that neutrality that causes us to tip the scales in the unhealthy onto the unhealthy side of the equation. So you know, when it comes to food, when it comes to things that we enjoy eating that we know are not good for us, right? A lot of times, many of us are so addicted in um, to the pursuit of the filling that that food gives us that it causes us to then tip the scales to an unhealthy side of the equation. So pleasure-seeking behavior is not a negative thing, but it's when we become addicted to pleasure that it becomes a negative thing that impedes on our ability to thrive in life, right? So think about the foods that you feel like you cannot give up, the foods that you feel like you cannot live without. Right. And think about the feeling that those foods give you. The feelings that those foods give you typically causes you to chase that feeling repeatedly. Right. And so when we're addicted to pleasure, what typically happens is we're addicted to the dopamine hit we get when we engage in that behavior. So, you know, you're supposed to be writing your book. Right. You know, you're supposed to be outlining your business or a new offer in your company. You know, you're supposed to be working on that project. But every time you get that notification from your phone, that ding, you can't help but to reach for it. Right. It's that pleasure seeking behavior that's literally in that moment impeding your ability to be productive on X. And so you're addicted to pleasure. It's nothing wrong with checking out those notifications. It's nothing wrong with wanting to see who texts you or who posted what or, you know, that social media or whatever. But it becomes addictive because you get that dopamine hit. And once you get that dopamine hit, you want another one. And so the problem with always engaging in pleasure-seeking behaviors is first and foremost the loss of self-control. Hey, Aunt. It's the loss of self-control. So first things first, how do you know you even have an addiction, right? Whatever your pleasure-seeking behavior is, how do you know you have an addiction? The first indicator that you have an addiction is the loss of self-control, right? You know you're not supposed to eat the whole family-sized bag of chips, but you can't stop yourself. 
You know you're supposed to drink more water than you do coffee, but you have to have your coffee, right? You know you're supposed to um, be preparing nourishing, sustainable, fulfilling meals, but you can't resist door dashing your favorite comfort food. It's the loss of self-control. It's the loss of self-control. And that loss of self-control is one of the first indicators of an addiction. So a lot of times what most of us do, if we really assess our day and our week and our month, is we spend the majority of our time seeking pleasure. Now, how do we know whether or not this is a problem? I'm going to ask you one key question to ask yourself. One of the key questions you must absolutely ask yourself to determine whether or not you are addicted to seeking pleasure is, are what feels good and what's required one and the same? Okay? So that's the question I want you to ask yourself to determine whether or not you are a pleasure seeker, an unhealthy pleasure seeker. What's required? And what feels good? Are they one and the same? Let's do a very simple example. We all know we need water to thrive. We know water is one of the life forces we should put in our bodies every single day. One of the things, um, one of the tools I teach my students at Farm to Table is to drink half of your healthy body weight in ounces of water per day. Drink half of your healthy body weight in ounces of water per day, all right? Now, many of my students, when they come into the program, they have addictions to caffeine namely coffee. So they're typically starting their day with coffee as opposed to water. One of the pro tips we give our students for water is to consume 25 ounces within the first 30 minutes of waking. All right. Now you're in this program, right? You're trying to get more energy because you notice you're lethargic throughout the day. So let's say your goal is to get more energy. And let's say you've enrolled in a program or a framework that's going to teach you how to do that. And let's say one of the rules in my framework that's going to teach you how to have more energy is to drink adequate amounts of water. Okay, so now we know what's required. We know, Lisa says, if I follow her framework to boost my energy throughout the day, that I need to not only be drinking half of my healthy body weight in ounces of water, but I also need to be doing 25 ounces of that within the first 30 minutes of waking up. So Lisa has told me, step one, what's required to stop crashing in the middle of the day, to not to stop feeling lethargic, to stop feeling exhausted all the time. She told me what's required is to drink room temperature water first thing in the morning. Within 30 minutes, I should have already down 25 ounces. But what feels good? What feels good is drinking a 12-ounce cup of my favorite coffee with my favorite creamer out of my favorite mug, sitting in my favorite spot in the house to get my day started and sipping my coffee. That's what feels good. So now that I've enrolled in Lisa, I've employed Lisa to help me get more energy. She's told me what's required, which is drinking the water. But drinking the coffee feels good. So in this instance, right, we have a collision. We have a collision between what feels good and what's required. Now, using that example, how do I know whether or not I have an addiction to pleasure? How often am I constantly feeling torn between what feels good and what's required? 
How often am I, when I say constantly feeling torn between the two, I mean, literally, you're having self-talk, you're having inner dialogue, and you're constantly trying to talk yourself off the ledge. I know I should be drinking the water. I know I'm supposed to be drinking the water instead, but I just got to have a cup of coffee today. The the day off is, is off to a crazy start. I woke up later than I expected or woke up and was feeling this, or I woke up to this email and it got me irritated. So... I really need my coffee today. So I'm going to do what feels good, pleasure seeking, as opposed to what's required, drinking water, in order to get where I want to be. That's how you know whether or not you're addicted to pleasure. Are you constantly in a tug, a mental battle between what feels good versus what's required? That's the issue with being addicted to pleasure. It's not that you should never pursue what feels good. It's when the pursuit of what feels good becomes, you know, becomes what you do most. The pursuit of what feels good um, becomes your preferred course of action. Now, how do you begin to um, roll that back? How do, how do you then begin to do more of what's required until what's required feels good? Right. Because if what's required and what feels good is perfectly aligned for you, you're 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 all good. Like you're going down the perfect path in life is if what feels good and what's required are perfectly aligned. There's no separation between the two. Then you're nailing it in life. Right. I know that's the case for me with the water, for example. Drinking water feels so good to me. I desire it right? I crave it. It makes me happy in the morning, right? And it's also what's required. So in this case, the pleasure and what's required are perfectly aligned. There's no deviation here. I don't need to make any pivots here. But for you, right, if you find yourself in a constant struggle between what feels good and what's required, meaning they are not one and the same, right? You more than likely have a pleasure-seeking addiction. Another indicator of a pleasure-seeking addiction is the language that you use. One of the, uh, another one of the tools we teach our students in Farm to Table is watching your language. When you say things like, I can't live without, I have to have, right? You're giving your power away to that behavior and you're Every time you speak those words and give that power away, it actually makes it harder to stop doing that thing as opposed to easier to do the right thing. So watching your, so what language are you constantly using around these behaviors? Why do you have to have this coffee? Why can't you live without chicken, right? Why is it so, why do you have to have your favorite snack to watch your favorite show? Like, why do those things have to exist together? It's the constant seeking of that behavior, the constant pursuit of pleasure that becomes a problem. Let me tell you what's happening biochemically here. Every time you drink that cup of coffee, every time you check that notification instead of, you know, going deep into your work like you're supposed to be, every time you decide to Netflix and chill, DoorDash and chill as opposed to working out and cooking a nutritious meal, right? You're getting that dopamine hit. And so it feels good to you immediately, right? Eating the cookie, eating the potato chip, you know, crashing on the couch instead of being productive feels good to you. And you get a dopamine hit and you become addicted to the dopamine. So what's happening is your pleasure pathway in your brain is being flooded 
with these chemicals, with these neurotransmitters. So you're not necessarily addicted to social media. You're not necessarily addicted to sugar. You're literally addicted to the dopamine hit that's released every time you engage in that behavior. It's just that the social media, the sugar, the cookie, the cup of coffee happens to be your vehicle to the dopamine. And so you're overexciting your pleasure pathway. So that's what's happening biochemically. You're overexciting your pleasure pathway, and it's you want you want to continue to keep that pleasure pathway flooded with that dopamine. And so you're in a constant pursuit of pleasure, and it is the unhealthy pursuit of pleasure that's stopping you from. Um, ascending to the healthier version of yourself because you are now prioritizing pleasure over everything, right? There is a way to prioritize pleasure in life that's extremely healthy and productive. And, but most of us are doing the opposite. We're prioritizing pleasure to our detriment, to our detriment. So what you want to ask yourself again is what's required and what feels good are they one and the same or are they two different things? And I'm con I constantly find myself in the middle trying to make a decision between choosing what's required and what feels good. So the way you get over this, the way you uh, realign what's required and what feels good is by doing what's required until it feels good, right? Or until you get the result that you seek that will then make the effort worth it. So I'll give you an example. And initially, when I started working out many years ago, it didn't feel great, okay? I wear my hair natural, so my hair was sweating, right? Um, I was constantly sore. I had to make time in my schedule to work out. You know, I had to get dressed. Sometimes I had to drive to the gym when it's cold or whatever. It, was, it always just seemed inconvenient, right? And over time, what happened for me is I started enjoying working out. Right. It started because I noticed that I would feel energized after the workout. I noticed I would actually feel um, my head would be more clear, like mentally, I would feel more clear after the workout. Um, I realized now this is before my body started changing. These are just feelings that I would feel, right, and small differences I would notice, right, but maybe I haven't dropped a whole bunch of weight yet, maybe my body hasn't been sculpted differently yet, but I would, I would feel different after the workout, right, I, I would never regret going, I would dread going, but after having went, I would not regret it, it was, it turned out, always turned out to be a good decision to have went to work out, right, and so, but what happened over time is as, as I started learning different exercises and different workouts and different movements, I actually fell in love with working out. Now, this doesn't happen for everyone, okay? But me personally, I started like looking forward to the leg lifts and the push-ups and the pull-ups um, and, and the high-intensity cardio exercises. So all of a sudden, what felt good and what was required became one and the same. Before, when I was working out, I was just doing it because it's what's required to be healthy. But over time, not only is it required that I work out to maintain a certain level of health and life, what I noticed is that it also became what was preferred. So what felt good and what, re what was required aligned. Now, for some people, that doesn't happen. I learned quickly when I became a personal trainer that some people could be working out for years months or years and never enjoy it. They never get to a place where they look forward to their workouts. 
However, what they do look forward to is the way their body turns out when they consistently work out. So in this case, you know, what's required became what's preferred because of the results that they get as a result of being consistent, right? So what do what's required until you get the result and have proof that it's worth it or until you literally begin to desire it. I, I can't, I, I swear to God, I was so shocked when I started craving kale, like sauteed kale with fresh garlic, a little pink Himalayan sea salt, like the seasonings. And I started craving kale and I was so shocked. I'm like, wow, like what a blessing it is that what's required eating plants every damn day and what feels good eating, you know, well-seasoned sauteed kale actually became one and the same thing. And so we are supposed to live our life. I use all those those examples to tell you why, you know, the problem with constantly seeking pleasure is that we're, believe it or not, not supposed to always be in a heightened state of pleasure. And we're also obviously not supposed to be in a state of pain. We're actually supposed to live our lives right in the middle. So pleasure and pain are two ends of the spectrum, and we actually are supposed to exist in a nice, neutral place in the middle between pleasure and pain. So if you are one of those people who are constantly seeking pleasure, you're always going um, to that end of the spectrum, and you're coming out of balance, which is the middle, the happy medium. And what begins to happen is the pleasure that you seek starts providing diminishing returns. So if you're constantly seeking pleasure, what's going to happen is as you find it, like as you constantly respond to every notification, as you constantly give in to every craving for sugar, salt, oil, or caffeine, the, the pleasure that you feel as a result is going to become less and less satisfying. So you begin to diminish the value of the pleasure because you're constantly in pursuit of it. It's called diminishing returns. So the problem with being addicted to pleasure, one of the problems with being addicted to pleasure is that we actually handicap um, our own personal experience with the behavior by constantly seeking it out. So there's power in um, discipline. There's power in refraining. There's pro there's power in self-control because you then enjoy the pleasure-seeking behavior much more when you do position yourself to receive it or to enjoy it, right? It's just like with anything else, like that cup of coffee will be so much better one time a week as opposed to seven days a week, two times a day, right? And so you diminish the returns you get from the pleasure if you're constantly seeking it. Then you take yourself out of state of neutrality and balance between pleasure and pain. Um, and then you flood your body with dopamine and flood your pleasure pathway, and it impedes your ability to think clearly, okay? So the problem, final review, <laughs> the problem with pleasure-seeking addictions is that you diminish the pleasure derived from the behavior because you're in constant pursuit of it, okay? Then you also take yourself out of a state of neutrality or balance between pleasure and pain. So now you're no longer, your body and your brain is no longer at a place of homeostasis, okay? And the final thing is that it clouds your thinking and your judgment and your reasoning and decision-making skills, okay? Because you're biochemically imbalanced.
right? Because you're always in pursuit of these spikes of dopamine. So you're biochemically imbalanced now, and now your thinking is clouded, your judgment is clouded, your decision-making and reasoning skills is clouded because you're so addicted to pleasure. You're constantly in pursuit of what feels good, regardless of whether or not it's what's required. So I want you to consider, right? Start putting some parameters, start putting some bumper rails up in your life, right? That keeps you in a more neutral place of balance so that you're not constantly giving in. What can, what's an example of a bumper, of a bumper rail? It might be a coach. It might be accountability partner, right? It might be some hard rules. Like let's say you are, uh, you constantly eat late at night and you know that's not good for you, right? So in this case, you might introduce an intermittent fasting regimen. You might introduce, you know, a timed eating regimen, right? For me, that's usually 10 to 7, right? So I'm, I'm instituting a rule in my life that's going to take that pleasure-seeking behavior away from me, which is eating at 9 p.m., eating at, and while I'm laying in bed watching my favorite show at 11 p.m., right? So you, that timed eating, that intermittent fasting schedule becomes a bumper rail, to keep you on the right path, right? So, or you might need a little, uh, a more aggressive approach. So now I, maybe you, the bumper rail doesn't work and you keep breaking your intermittent fasting schedule. So now I need an accountability coach. Now I need an accountability partner. Um, now I need to be part of a program where I got to report in or I got to track my food and somebody else is looking. Um, now I can't bring the stuff in the house. Maybe I can only eat cookies from uh, the bakery down the street. I'm not allowed to buy a pack and bring them home. Now the rules might need to get a little more aggressive so that I can detach myself from this pleasure-seeking behavior, get back to a place of balance and homeostasis so that I am in that nice neutral middle between pleasure and pain. You don't want to deprive yourself so much that it's painful, but you don't want to give yourself so much pleasure that it's painful. Does that make sense? So we don't want deprivation because discipline can sometimes become deprivation and deprivation can become pain, but then pleasure can become pain as well. And so you want to be in that nice middle between the two. So you don't want to say, I'm, you know, maybe never, ever, ever going to go on social media again, but maybe I need to put a rule in place while I'm not on it during these particular times because it hinders my ability to be productive, right? So finding those, sitting down and really assessing what bumper rails need to be put in place so that I am constantly in the in a nice balance between pleasure and pain. I'm not going to be so disciplined and so rigid that it hurts to my detriment, but I'm also not going to seek out pleasure and, and be in a constant pursuit of pleasure to my detriment either. Right. So those are some some things that you can do to start applying um, and disconnecting, just detaching yourself from this addiction to pleasure that most of us have. Most of us, especially as adults, we just believe that whatever feels good, we should get. Right. I got a taste for this. I'm going to get it. Right. I really want this. I'm going to buy it. I really want to do this. I'm buying a ticket like slow down. Right. It's what's required and what feels good. Are they aligned right now? Is that available to you in this season of your life? 
First, assess what's required. Then think about what feels good. And if those things are not perfectly aligned, then something needs to change. Because if you're constantly in a, again, finally, if you're constantly in a mental battle between what feels good and what's required, right, then you are out of balance. You are out of alignment. And then you need to get back in alignment. So that's where the assessment needs to come into play. All right. I hope that that's, that helps. That's the problem with um, being addicted to pleasure. Drop me a, a comment or a line if you're watching this on a replay and let me know if it resonated with you. Um, and if you know that one of the bumper rails that you need is a coach, then please visit lisaangelsmith.com forward slash work with me to check out my two signature coaching programs, uh, Farm to Table or the other 23, um, and see which it will align with you right now in this season of your life to help you get back into that place of neutrality. Okay. LisaAngelSmith.com forward slash work with me. And I'll see you on the other side. Take care, y'all.